Welcome to another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga and joined by our tribe beat writer Paul Hoynes, who's in Kansas City uh, ahead of this weekend's big series against the Royals. Uh, Paul coming off uh, a four-game uh, trip in Boston. The, the Indians split, won the first two, lost the second two. Uh, what do we know about the Indians after those four games in Boston? What did those four games tell us about this team and, and where they are? Uh, it's interesting, Joe. It, it's almost like, uh, you know, it's a, it was almost like a postseason series where, you know, the Indian st- uh, stars, the, the the key players are kind of shut down with Lindor and Ramirez being shut down. And, and you get some unexpected uh, performances from, from different guys. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Greg Allen had a great series. Milky Cabrera had a great series. Uh, Michael Brantley, you know, I, I guess, you know, you can't say he's he's unexpected, but he had a very good series. So, uh, you know, uh, and, of course, uh, Ramirez and Lindor got shut down. They they really – Boston did a did a great job pitching to them, and I think you, you've got to expect that. Did the Indians do the same to, uh, to Mookie Betts and uh, J.D. Martinez? Well, not so much. I mean, they didn't have great – they didn't have great series. Uh, you know, they didn't hit the ball out of the park. Um, they didn't go crazy, but they, they were they were more productive than uh, Lindor and Ramirez. And, and we really saw flashes of that uh, that Boston offense that can can explode for five, six runs at a time at any at any given inning. Uh, and, and they did so against the Indians, especially in those second and third games. Uh, we saw David Price uh, really dominate the Indians, a, a tough lefty who's, who's had the Indians number throughout his career. And, uh, you know, we, we saw the Indians really, uh, those first two games have to have to skate by and, and, and hold on for dear life, I guess, as, uh, as Tito said, uh, with, with the bullpen, with Cody Allen saving the first game and, and Brad Hand saving the second game. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know Price. What he's eleven and two against the Indians in his career uh, regular season, and the only time they beat they beat him, I think, is in the postseason in two thousand sixteen when when Lonnie Chisinau hit the home run off him and, and at Progressive Field, and that and, and Price has his own issues with the postseason. He's you know two different pitchers. Right. Once October rolls around, uh, but yeah, the bullpen was was interesting. We only got to see Andrew Miller once. I still think, uh, you know, it seems like they're they're they haven't reached a point where they can pitch him in back-to-back games. Uh, we saw Simber come in, pitch well a cut once, and then not so well uh, yesterday, uh, Thursday when he came in, gave up the two uh, two-run uh, doubles with the bases loaded in in uh, Boston's uh, six-run. Uh, was that a six-run? No, that was a. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was a six-run inning. Yeah, six-run inning. So, um, you know, I mean, and, and that wasn't, I mean, he got the ground balls. He just got them in the wrong place. And, you know, if, if uh, the Indians had LeBron James playing third base, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe that would have, maybe it would have been a different outcome except, instead of Ramirez. Well, uh, and, and you, you talked about, you, you touched on this earlier, you know, I think Lindor and Ramirez were something like four for 31 in the series. Yeah. Or, or, or five for 31, I think. Five for 31 in the series. Uh, at the beginning of the season, coming off of that Yankees playoff loss, Lindor especially talked about, you know, this season finishing and, you know, 
getting to the point where you've got a team down and, and you, you finish them off. Well, that's right. sort of what this felt like. You know, those first two games, they had Boston down and they could have gone for the, the, the kill punch right there. You know, you win the series, win one of those last two games, right. and they couldn't do it. That, that, that was the feeling that, you know, I sort of got watching this was that here, here we are again. You're up 2-0 in a series that you could win. You know, just win one more game, you got that series. And otherwise, uh, the, the two guys who they've, they've pretty much, you know, rode with all year didn't show up. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's a good point, Joe. And, you know, we saw them, you know, they, when they played the Yankees right before the All-Star break, I thought that, you know, Ramirez and, and Lindor played better. You know, I thought they had something to prove. You know, I thought they played better in that series. This one was, you know, once again, you know, you, you see that. And that, like, plants had seen in the back of your mind because we've seen it before. I also, you know, I thought uh, Carrasco could have pitched better. Yeah. You know, I thought, uh, you know, that was, I thought that was a big start for him, especially tr- after Bauer going down. Uh, you need, you know, he needs, he needs to be the number two starter. And like you said, they had a chance right there to come in and take three straight and, you know, end this, you know, I mean, win the series. And it didn't happen. You know, and, you know, Carlos has been pitching great. Uh, yeah, I think, what is he, eight and two in his last 12 starts, maybe. But this was a game where, you know, you kind of, you know, that's one of those games where you you you, uh, you uh, circle in uh, yellow highlighter and, and you remember. And uh, we'll have to see how this uh, plays out, uh, if this has any rollover when they, if, if and when they get to the postseason. All right. And that brings us to Players Weekend this weekend. Uh, the, uh, the annual tradition has become a uh, yearly event. It's funny. Uh, players wearing their nicknames on uh, alternate jerseys, and you're allowed to wear uh, fun cleats and all sorts of uh, uh, really cool uh, engagement opportunities uh, for the players. Uh, the, the baseball traditionalists are supposed to sort of poo-poo it, but the players are supposed to be all for it because this lets them express themselves. What, what, what do you make of the whole Players Weekend phenomenon? <laughs> it seems like, uh, you know, I think it's a good thing. I think MLB is, you know, trying to attract a younger crowd, trying to make the game, you know, uh, you know, not a, a, a drudgery. It's trying to inject some fun in there. And I think for a weekend, it's, it's, it's kind of nice. You know, uh, the uniform restrictions are, are relaxed. Uh, you know, the bat restrictions, the shoe restrictions, you know, are kind of freed up and, uh, you know, they can, players can express themselves. I think players, I think the fans, younger fans especially, probably relate to that. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't hurt anybody. The games still count. They're still, they're still out there hitting the ball and, uh, and pitching it and catching it. Uh, they're just doing it with uh, funny nicknames on, their, on the back of their jerseys. All right. Well, let's uh, run through a couple of these, uh, these nicknames that are on the jerseys here. Uh, you you got to love Brandon Geyer's. Uh, Brandon Geyer's La Pinata. I mean that make, makes a lot of sense uh, for for the guy who's among the, uh, the yeah, league leaders and hit by pitch every year. Of course, I like got, that. Yeah, of course you've got Francisco Lindor as Mr. Smile. Everybody knows that one. Uh, here, let me throw it. Andrew Miller, Miller time. Let me uh, throw one out to you that that doesn't you know you might it might be a bit of a stretch for you. Uh, junior, who on the team do you think is wearing Junior? Is that Brantley? Yeah, it's Brantley. Yeah, after his dad, right? You know, last year he wore Doctor Smooth on his jersey, and this this year he's uh, he's junior. I guess that's uh, you know it, it seems to be going one of two directions. Either the players are using their nicknames 
uh, to be sort of funny and cheeky or, or they're using them to honor uh, a family member or a, a coach or something like that. It, uh, yeah, very good. You got the junior uh, from, from uh, Mickey Brantley played with Seattle from 86 to 89 and, and yeah, probably one of the best uh, hitting coaches who's not being paid by a team uh, in, uh, in <laughs> That's Michigan. right. That's Brantley's personal pit, uh, hitting coach. Uh, let's see. Yonder Alonzo, Mr. 305 in, in honor of uh, Miami. I mean, we walk into the uh, the Tribe Clubhouse and see his Miami Hurricanes jersey uh, draped over his, his chair. Yeah, he's got a helmet now too, yeah, right? He, yeah, exactly. I was going to say he's got a football helmet from the U, uh, Miami Hurricanes. So he's very proud of the uh, the Miami thing. Uh, do you, do you want to explain Chicken as a, as a nickname, I, I guess? Uh, yeah, with uh, Cody Allen. Cody I, Allen, yeah. It was just like, I can't, I, I don't know if I have the full story on this, that they called he likes chicken alfredo or something yeah, and, well it was chicken al he was yeah that was frank herman n- nicknamed him chicken al for chicken alfredo uh back in 2013 i guess uh that was a, a spring training thing and it sort of caught on and he wore a a, a chicken costume around the uh the right club. in the outfield right and uh <laughs> last year his his jersey featured uh, uh the spanish version of chicken which is pollo uh, this year, it's it's just he went with straight American. It's chicken. Uh, we've got Bauer outage. Obviously, is is a play on power outage for for Bauer. Um, uh, Milkman is an easy one for Melky. And right after Milkman, you've got Cookie. So you've got milk yeah, cookies. That's good. That's a good combination. <laughs> uh, Clevenger is sunshine. I I love he's a uh, sunshine Ronnie Bass from uh, uh, Remember the Titans and the yeah. long hair. You know that's great. Right. Uh, Edwin Encarnacion, uh, his, um, I believe his mother's name is Rivera. So I, I believe that's who he's, he's honoring with that one. Uh, the one I found really, uh, interesting, uh, La Perita, which is Eric Gonzalez. His, uh, his, his nickname is Spanish for the outcast. The outcast. <laughs> I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's a big fan of the, the, the musical group outcast or if, you know, the, the sort of the the nature of him going up and down from the minors so many times and making him feel like, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. like an outcast in the clubhouse. Uh, who knows, but that's interesting. You have to find out the story behind yeah. that. We'll get that one. Uh, Brad hand, protein shake. I guess he's taking that from a, a commercial. I guess uh, all that bro speak. I don't know, but uh, Kipnis is dirt bag. Everybody's had that one. Yeah. Uh, but Corey Kluber, uh, you want to take a stab at Corey Kluber? <laughs> I, I think I might have a net. Well, I know he, he doesn't like Klubot, so that can't be on there. And uh, he went with, what, Klubs last year. Mm-hmm. So, But I, I think he's changing it up. What do you think it is? Uh, he, he went with Kluber, just straight Kluber. <laughs> uh, if you've ever watched one of his post-game interviews, you know why. <laughs> That's exactly it. Uh, that is the most Corey Kluber nickname you can come up with. Uh, but probably the best out of all the jerseys, this is the last one we'll go through, uh, uh, Shane Bieber. Uh, Shane Bieber, of course, uh, his first home start, he goes out, takes the mound, uh, and his warm-up music, it was after a rain delay, his warm-up music had gotten changed to uh, Baby by Justin Bieber, which is one of his – earliest hit songs teeny bopper song uh so shane bieber's nickname is not justin which is good yeah the the best out of any of them 
and, and, and really sort of fits with, uh, with Shane Bieber's uh, personality as well. I mean, if you want to draw, you know, any sort of make any jokes about just uh, Justin Bieber when you're around Shane Bieber, he's going to let those roll off his back. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, so that uh, that's a sneak sort of preview of the uh, the Players Weekend jerseys and nicknames that are out there. And, of course, uh, uh, Francisco Lindor is going to be wearing cleats that honor uh, a bunch of uh, different groups and organizations. And uh, he's, it pays homage to Puerto Rico and anti-bullying. So there's a lot of different hashtags on Lindor's cleats. It'll uh, be interesting to see. And, and I think Clevenger's cleats will probably be the most interesting uh, you'll find out there. Yeah, definitely. He's uh, he, he like we've said before, Joe. He should have been pitching in the '60s or the '70s, man. I late, think he, he that was his that was his era. He's yeah, a throwback late, guy. Late '60s flower child, a little bit of that uh, yeah. would have fit uh, would have fit Sunshine pretty well. Uh, all right, uh, let's jump into some questions here, Paul. You got a few uh, from uh, our many of our listeners and readers on uh, on Twitter and on social. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Okay, this is from uh, David Urban from Falls Church of Virginia. Uh, you know, now that uh, the Washington Nationals have kind of withdrawn from the race, is there any chance uh, of of the Indians uh, securing Bryce Harper in the deal? Well, I, I'll, I'll leave that one to you. <laughs> I think, uh, and as we've, we've talked about the, the whole process of waiver trades and, and, and we're getting pretty late here in August, it's the 24th. Uh, I don't think Bryce Harper's going anywhere. Uh, you once you put him on revocable waivers, uh, if you didn't make a deal, you pull him back off of waivers. You can do that once. So if they were to put Bryce Harper back on waivers again, he would have to clear in order to be able to make a trade uh, with Cleveland. Uh, whoever would put in a claim on him, he would automatically be assigned to that team. So, or, or the the Nationals would have a chance to work on a trade with that team. So uh, the chances of him getting all the way through waivers to Cleveland would, would be next to zero. Uh, there, there's really no chance of, of him coming as far as Cleveland because he would have to clear the entire National League first, and, and that's not going to happen. Yeah, we kind of saw a similar uh, – not, not a similar situation, but with Daniel Murphy, mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of a lot of people, you know, were kind of rumored that the Indians might be interested in him, but he never got out of uh, the National League. The Cubs got him before – the Indians even had a shot at him. Right. And the Cubs have, you know, 10 guys for six positions in their lineup right now. And it's sort of ridiculous that they got him. But, you know, that's the way the waiver system works. Yep. Okay. Here's the next one. Now, this is from Jack Case in Brook Park. Uh, I read a statement. No, here, here it is. Uh, Yandy Diaz. I, I read a statement that Yandy Diaz could be the Indians' cleanup hitter of the future. You do realize that he does, he does not have a home run in this mm-hmm. season. He goes, I wonder what the, uh, the entry-level velocity of the bourbon you were drinking <laughs> when you wrote that. <laughs> that was directed to, toward me. But I, I, was, I, was quoting, uh, I was quoting Terry Francona, who mentioned that he could be the you know, cleanup hitter or middle-of-the-order hitter for the Indians in the future. Uh, obviously, you know, I know Yandy doesn't hit the ball out of the park, uh, and he's been struggling lately, but, uh, you know, let's look at the, you know, the picture here, uh, Yonder Alonso signed for one more year. 
He's got a, uh, uh, I think, a vesting option for uh, right. 2000, what, 21? No, 2020. 20. 20. And uh, Edwin is signed for one more year. Edwin Encarnacion, one more year. Uh, so somebody's going to have to hit in the middle of the lineup. Uh, Yandy has shown a lot of progress. Uh, I think he's starting to turn on the ball a little more. And uh, so I think there is a chance. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if he's going to hit cleanup. I don't know if he's going to hit fifth or sixth where he's going to hit, but uh, he's getting a chance right now. Uh, he got exposed a little bit against Boston, you know, that, that good pitching staff. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But, uh, you know, he's a guy. I mean, if, if you're looking for a middle-of-the-order hitter, uh, you know, that, you know, that doesn't hit the ball out of the park, I mean, I think he's, he's got a chance. And those, those are Francona's words, not mine. I, but, uh, you know, I kind of agree with him. I think he's going to hit somewhere in that lineup in the next year or two. Yeah, Yanni Diaz is 27 years old. He's under club control until 2024, not eligible for arbitration until 2021. Uh, and of the, I think in the last like 10 games, the Indians have hit uh, maybe a dozen or so balls with exit velocities uh, up over 100 miles an hour. And Yanni Diaz has like seven of those. I mean, the ball jumps off of his bat. Uh, eventually it's going to click in where he's going to start hitting home runs and, and then, you know, he'll absolutely be justified in hitting in the middle of that order. Uh, and heck you saw, uh, Tito mess with the, the lineup, you know, with Brantley out of the lineup yesterday, he put, uh, Diaz up in that, that two hole because he's a contact guy. He's a guy who put the ball in play, you know, yeah. for the most part. So, and he'll hit the ball to right field. He loves to hit the ball to right field. So. You know, you, you get a runner on, you get Lindor on ahead of him in that two hole, and he can hit the ball to that to that hole on the right side. Yeah. So, yeah, there are a lot of options with him. Here, another question here uh, from Steve Phillips in Philadelphia. What are the chances uh, of Cody Allen or Andrew Miller, and, and Andrew Miller, who have not had great seasons this year, uh, staying with the Indians at the end of the season instead of turning free agent? Well, I, you know, you bring up a good point. The Miller and Allen have both had up and down years, a uh, chance that somebody might want to stick around here. But uh, I, I think the, the chances of that are, are pretty slim. I think both guys opt for free agency and somebody's going to – I mean, if – if Brian Shaw got seven million a year from Colorado, somebody will be out there willing to pay uh, much more than that for Andrew Miller and and Cody Allen, and the Indians are are not likely to to match that. I don't I don't think they've they've paid uh, reliever that much money in in quite a long time, uh, for what I can remember. Yeah, I, um, you know I think uh, I think Joe, there's probably an outside chance they keep one of them. But there's no way they keep two of them. I mean, why did they go out and get Brad Hand if they were going to, you know, Brad Hand and Simber if they were going to try to keep one of these guys? I think, you know, uh, I think we've seen it in the past. Uh, you know, guys that have come up through the system, they, they put in their time here, and uh, they move on. Um, you, you know, they've had good careers. They earn that chance. I just don't think uh, – you know, I think Allen's probably helped himself by showing he's willing to pitch in other roles. The same with Miller. Miller's a proven track record. Both of them, you look back in 2016 in the postseason, they were both great. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, relievers run out. You know, they only have so many so many pitches in their arm. <clears throat> but, 
I think they're both gone, and I think they'll they'll both do all right on the free agent market. Yeah, it, it, you, you talk about earning that uh, <laughs> position. Uh, Cody Allen is a is a homegrown guy. He's you know he's definitely earned everything he's he's achieved, and you, you sort of want to see Cody. I you know, just from knowing Cody Allen, you you sort of want to see him go out and get that payday because he's earned it. He and he's got the sort of mentality and and temperament he's a good guy who's never never turned away a, a reporter in the, the clubhouse uh he's exactly the kind of piece that a, a team would want to add in free agency and you know he's he's certainly put in the time here in Cleveland to earn that yeah the, the thing that strikes me about both those guys is that they're willing to pitch in any role you know they, they've they both closed you know when Miller came over here he knew Allen and, and Shaw had put in their time here so he, you know, he just volunteered. I'll pitch wherever you want me to. Allen, you know, the last couple of years has moved around. When, uh, you know, when they brought in Miller, he, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's he volunteered to, to go, you know, to, to pitch in the sixth or seventh inning. Uh, and, and it's team first with both those guys. And, you know, I think that goes a long way. That'll go a long way in today's uh, kind of culture with, with ball clubs and, and, and GMs. They really put a lot of stock in that. Obviously, you still got to be able to get people out, but uh, I think I, I don't think they'll have any problems getting jobs. Yeah, and the money's out there for sure, as as we saw in last year's free agent market. All right, uh, let's uh, move on now to uh, a little bit of focus on uh, the the end of year awards races right now uh, in the American League. Uh, this past week, uh, this past series in Boston, you know, really sort of highlighted the four candidates that were on the field. Uh, two in Boston, J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts, and then two in Cleveland, uh, Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor. Uh, who really helped their case uh, in that series and who might have hurt their case in that series? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I, I, I like Mookie Betts. I, I think Mookie had a, had a good series, you know, leading off. Uh, he, he didn't, you know, the, the Indians held him in check to a certain degree, but, you know, he's a dangerous guy. Um, uh, J.D. Martinez, uh, you know, he DH'd all four games, uh, you know, did drive in some runs. I think he had four four RBIs. I don't think he hurt himself. Um, you know, Ramirez seemed to be a little shaky in the field to me uh, at third base. He had these, you know, the, the, for the last couple of weeks, he looks a little off his game defensively. I, I don't know, just some hard chances or, or whatever it is. Uh, Ramirez played very, very well defensively. But neither one of them hit, and that's that's what you know kind of jumps out at you. And I and I don't know if it was that four games, or you know everybody goes through a slump, and maybe this is their their time to slump. And uh, uh, so you know I I don't think it in the end, you know I don't think it really. I, I still think there's what there's a lot of season to play. There's a you know yeah, five six, yeah. five weeks left. Yeah. So I think uh, you know voters I don't think are going to like zero in on that series just because their numbers these guys have put up such you know such god-awful numbers I mean there's numbers all over the place so I still think they're you know the 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 race the race for the MVP has yet to be decided okay uh and moving on to the uh American League Cy Young award it's it's interesting because uh you know it was a two-horse race pretty much there for a couple of weeks between uh Sale and Probably Trevor Bauer had had really come on, but now both guys are on the DL. 
so it, it sort of opens the door for two experienced guys in Justin Verlander and Corey Kluber to sort of maybe push on past both of those guys. Uh, if, if things, you know, progress the way they are right now, and if Bauer and Sale don't come back and have, you know, two, three outings each where they, they dominate, uh, you know, what are the chances that either one of those guys wins the AL Cy Young? I think there's a real good chance, Joe. I think uh, Kluber is, you know, he looks like uh, he's over that knee thing at the All-Star break. He's been really, really consistent here. He pitched well against Boston uh, on, uh, you know, in the, in game one of this series. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I thought kind of like, like you were thinking. I thought, you know, Chris Sale was the guy. Maybe, maybe Bauer sneaks in there. But, uh, you know, with those two guys on the DL, I think, you know, you, you kind of turn around and there's Kluber, and Kluber has better numbers than Verlander. So, uh, you know, could he win it? Could we have a three-time Cy Young winner in Cleveland? That, that, would, be, that would be unbelievable. And, oh, and, and, and consecutive years, too. That's crazy. And, and really, you think about if Kluber wins a, a third Cy Young, I mean, does that punch his ticket, you know, to sort of Hall of Fame if he, if he can win three Cy Youngs and, you know, pitch five more years and make the playoffs and, you know, maybe lead the Indians to a championship in one of them? That's, uh, that's, yeah. a big, that, that's a lot. I know that's a mouthful right there. Um, <laughs> but it, uh, it puts but, him into conversation. You know, well, yeah, the exactly. thing that works against him is sometimes his age. You know, he got such a late start at this, mm-hmm. and you just don't know how long he's going to be, be able to maintain this level. Especially but, uh, with the injury history, yeah. But certainly, with, if you get win three Cy Youngs in the span of what two thousand since two thousand fourteen, you know that puts you that that gives you a leg up on on whatever Hall of Fame discussions are going to have. But I, he's got to he's got to pitch some. You know, he's gonna he's gonna have to you know kind of get as much out of his career as he can. Blake Trinan and Edwin Diaz, both closers, both playing in probably the toughest division in baseball. Uh, what do you make of their chances of possibly, you know, eclipsing any of these, these starters? I mean, these are, you know, uh, Edwin Diaz has what, 47, 48 saves yeah. already. Trinan has just been dominant and the A's are the hottest team in baseball. Uh Chances that either of those two can come through. I think I think they've got a chance. I think what, who was the last closer to win the Cy Young? Uh, Eckersley was Eckersley. Oh, was it? No, or was it Gagne? Or uh, I, maybe Eckersley was MVP and, and Cy Young. I yeah. forget. But it, it's tough for those guys because they don't pitch a lot of innings, uh, you know. And but like what Diaz has done is amazing. I think a lot of hinges on how those how their teams do. Now, if if Trinan, if the if the A's, you know, they're already in the second wild card spot. If they should run down to the, uh, Houston and win the AL West, yeah, I think he's got a legitimate chance. And Diaz, you know, probably gets kind of lost in the in the uh, you know the stampede with the starters, but he's got to get some votes, Joe. I think he's got to get a lot of votes. So uh, I believe Eric Gagne was the last reliever to win, and that was in the National League. Okay. The American League, yeah, I think uh, I think you got to go all the way back to Eckersley in, what was that, 92? Yeah, with Oakland. Eckersley in 92 with, uh, with the A's for his uh, – his, um, wow, that's pretty crazy. That's yeah, been and so they that get, get kind of – you know, they don't get a lot – 
I mean, they, in, especially in the hall of, in the, in the, in the voting, in the voting, it's a little different in the hall of fame. It's, you know, there's kind of, I think there's a prejudice against closers, but, uh, uh, we've, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I definitely think, you know, I love closers. I, I, I like, I like them. I like, uh, I think uh, you, you don't win without them. And I think sometimes we take them for granted. 2003, Eric Gagne for the Los Angeles Dodgers, two and three with a 1.20 ERA, 137 strikeouts and 55 saves. Wow. So then he's never the same after that, no, right? No, no, no. <laughs> who, who's the guy, who was the guy with the White Sox that saved over 50 games? Remember? Uh, Bobby Thigpen? Yeah. And then he, you, those guys, they blow out, man. <laughs> Those guys are dumb. They're cooked after that, yeah. man. Ask, ask Jose Ramirez. Or ask, yeah. uh, ask Jose Mesa. Uh, no, but Mesa, Mesa still saved 30 games, 300 saves. Yeah. But, you know, Big Penn and, 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 uh, and Gagne, I mean, they, that takes a toll. And you've you got to have a smart manager, man. You can't that, – that's hard to run a guy out there 50 times. I mean, in 50 well. save situations. Yeah, you think about it though, uh, Frank. If there's a manager that would do something like that, Terry Francona might. Uh, might yeah, uh, the way the way Tito uses. Uh, and you know, in, in 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 Oakland where they they made those additions with Rodney, uh, Fernando Rodney, and mm-hmm. uh, who's they the basically other? got what four closers on their yeah, on the roster okay. from the yeah. Mets. They mm-hmm. got guys with they got like three or four guys with close to twenty saves. It's cr- so they they could really you know they could do some damage, man. Well, and think about it. It's it's Francona's philosophy of shortening games. If your starter only has to go, you know, five quality innings there, and you can bring in a guy and know, okay, the sixth and the seventh are taken care of because you're going to throw Rodney and Familiar or something like that. It it, it shortens the game. It, it makes it really hard to score runs off of these guys when you're bringing in uh, closers that throw 100 miles an hour in the sixth and seventh innings. Exactly. We saw it with Kansas City. That's how they won the World Series. You know, so, you know, it, it works. And I, the thing with the Indians, they, they don't have that formula to me yet. You know, they've got the guys. They've got Miller. They've got uh, uh, Allen. They've got Hand. But we, they don't know how to use them yet. You know, we, we, we haven't seen Miller enough to – can he pitch in consecutive games? Uh, where, where do you – you know, who goes first? And I know the mixing and matching – Francona likes that and seems to work, but we haven't seen the best of this pen yet. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, you know who goes first is probably Oliver Perez out of the pen to get a matchup lefty, and then right. and then he's gonna he's gonna figure things out from there uh, as it goes. And I think he's you know he's given Simber a chance you know to get mm-hmm. the righties out with people on base. I mean, he, they, in the last twelve games, he's pitched like six times. I think. Yeah. So this guy is they're they're looking at him. They're giving him a long look. So. You know, hopefully he can start getting righties out and uh, getting ground balls that are hit at people. All right, <laughs> instead of over. Yeah. <laughs> we're heading into – we're getting into the, the end of August here, heading into September. Uh, about 35 games left here be- before we start talking playoffs and, and looking forward to that. Yeah, well, just uh, – I guess, you know, right now if the if the season ended, they'd be looking at, you know, playing Houston in the ALDS in, you know, the with uh, Houston having a home field advantage – uh, you know, Houston beat them in the uh, regular season, uh, won the season series against the Indians, but they're banged up, man. They're 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 still they're not the team that won the World Series yet last year. So uh, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. Two real good starting pitching staffs against would would be going against each other. 
decent, good offenses. So uh, that would that's going to be an interesting match. And who knows? It could flip too. They could they could play Oakland. Maybe Seattle gets back in it. So it's you know the next the next five weeks are going to be are going to be fun to watch, just to get that matchup, see who they who they eventually play. Right, and right now they're what four games behind Houston in the loss column. Uh, looking at the, the, the number two spot uh, to try and get that home field advantage. And that's something that in the 2016 run to the playoffs, that sort of worked in the, the Indians' favor uh, where Terry Francona and Brad Mills sort of decided, you know, they, they looked at each other and they were like, oh, let's, let's go for it here. Let's, let's yeah. uh, go for that number two seed that happened sort of within that last couple of weeks. Instead of resting and coasting into the playoffs, they – they sort of went for it and got that number two seed, got home field advantage, you know, played Boston at progressive field instead of opening at Fenway Park. And that, you know, really could have been a difference in, in that series too. And they did the same thing last year. They kind of ran down Houston. And, and so, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, because they, yeah. fin- yeah, they, 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 they finished they, the, they had the best record, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. they, so they, they got the home field in, in the ALDS against the Yankees. It didn't work out, but <laughs> – all right. Well, uh, we'll wrap it up here for this week. Uh, Paul, good to hear from you. Have a, a good trip out there in Kansas City. All right, Joe. Thanks, man.